Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Boldly Pursuing Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Henderson. Here we have conversations with friends who are stepping out and doing what God has called them to do in order to help encourage you to do the same. On today's podcast, we have my friend, Angelie Pascal. We have a really, really good conversation talking about the fear of a not living life to the fullest and the underlying or not so underlying anxiety that we have when we feel like we are missing out on the good life. We talk about pressing into where God has us and how to stop hiding behind our busyness. This was such a good episode. Uh, It stepped on my toes a little bit, which was exactly what I needed. And maybe you do too. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode. Here is my conversation with Anjali. podcast. Oh my goodness, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. Yes. So we were just talking about this before we started recording, but before we dive into anything, we're going to be talking about your new book today. And I want the audience to know that you're holding a giant rooster (laughs) on the cover of this book. (laughs) And so we were laughing because I'm like, uh, obviously like, farm girl over here. Like we have chickens and like chickens can be kind of crazy. And I'm just thinking like the acrobatics that probably went into getting that shot of you holding this like giant, beautiful rooster. Oh my goodness. Yes. For those of you who can't like actually see my book, I'm like sitting against a wall holding a rooster that's probably like shoulder to hip high. And why? it's a big rooster. It's a big rooster. It's it's full grown, and my book is called Awake. And we kept you know brainstorming and thinking of all the different symbols or ideas that represent awake. And it was like one someone was like, "What about a rooster?" And it was like, "Yes, of course. There's nothing that can wake someone up like a rooster." And so we hunted down a rooster and found one, and it was pure comedy trying to get a rooster to sit in my lap. Right. Okay. You said you're in San Diego, right? Yeah, I'm in San Diego. So did you take this picture like in the middle of San Diego? Yeah. So we live in a suburb outside of San Diego, uh, but it was our downtown. So there were cars driving by, people honking, people walking by the street. I mean, when do you, would you ever see a rooster, someone holding a rooster in your downtown area? It's just yeah, insanity. I'm sure you got some looks. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. That's funny. Okay. Well, I had to get that out of the way because it was just cracking me up. But do you want to take a second and just kind of introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, I'm Angelie. I am from, yes, San Diego. I'm a pastor's wife. My husband has been a pastor for almost 20 years here at a local church. I have five kids. Oldest is 15 and the youngest is four. And I also just love writing and I love speaking into the hearts of women and inviting them to kind of like this book, wake up and pay attention to your life and engage in reality versus fantasy. And yeah, that's kind of my heart and my journey and where I'm at right now. I love that. Okay. So we're going to be talking about your new book, Awake Today. And I always love asking like a fellow author, you know, there's so many topics that we can write books about, right? Like, and I feel like as an author, when you sit down, you're like, any any topic, there's so many to choose from. So why this topic? Why this book? Why now? Yeah, you know, that's such a great question. And a lot of times 
when we write, I'm sure it's like this, like ideas come to you. And this one for me was really about kind of my own anxiety with life and humanity and where I was in life. And so for me, it was actually writing this book was trying to figure out my own life and my heart and kind of that question of, it has to be better than this. There has to be something more than this. And so through writing, it was my way of resolving that anxiety inside of me of, God, I don't, I I constantly feel afraid that I'm missing life. Mm -hmm. Which I think we can all relate to that in some sense. I mean, you were, I was reading through and in the introduction, you were talking about the itch, like the itch to, to want to live life to the fullest. And then thinking that that itch means that you're doing something wrong. Do you want to talk about that? Totally. And it's interesting that you say that because for so long, I was like, I think I'm the only one who feels this way. Like maybe like, cause you know, you look around at other people and even real life friends and online friends, online friends, and you think, well, they totally have it figured out. Like, why am I struggling so much? And so it's really, it's actually really nice to hear you say that. Like, yeah, that we, that more than more people than just myself relate to that fear of missing out. And so, yeah, I just had this quiet itch always for more. And I would try and chase it by doing more, right? You chase that itch, right? If you have yeah. an itch on your back, it's like, you're going to do whatever you can to yeah. get it. And like, you're trying to bend over backwards to reach it. You're trying to get someone else to reach it. And it's like, it's just driving you crazy. And, you know, I kept wrestling with what does this itch mean? Like, maybe it means I need to like work in a different job or I need to move or have a farm, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you kind of like chase yeah. and think like, well, I just have to like, it means, it means I have to do something else, mm-hmm. try something different. And I think there was this real beautiful shift for me of like, I don't think I have to do anything except for listen to it. Like, what is that itch actually telling me? And that itch for me was like, there is something more, but it's not something more on the outside that I have to go get, chase, achieve, or accomplish it was really an invitation to go on a journey, kind of like an adventure with the Lord of where's this itch going to take me? Okay. That's interesting because I will be honest. I feel like I am in the middle of an itch, like the season that I am in. Yes. So I I feel like it all started. So like when I, my book came out last January and everyone expects like as a first time author, you have such high expectations. Yeah. And then there's like this, like, downhill slide that no one talks about, but like all my author friends have been like, yeah, like you just, it's, you you almost set your expectations so high. They could never be achieved, or at least for me and like some of the people I've talked to. And then I like came off of this and then it was like a, well, what's next? Like, I thought that was supposed to be like the big thing. And now it's over. Like, what do I do next? So last like October, I hit complete and total burnout. Mm. Like, I have never, I mean, it was wild. And Ooh. so I took like a six month hiatus from everything. Wow. And I really thought that that six month break, I would find such contentment and peace. And I and I have in certain areas, but I also am learning like, as I start slowly transitioning back into like the podcast and doing things that God has asked me to do, there's 
I feel like that itch is coming back stronger of like, well, you're not doing enough. Like, and, and for me, I don't know if anyone else feels like this or if you ever did this. Like when I feel that itch, I start grasping at straws and yeah. making like really rash decisions. Like, yeah. well, let's do this too. Like in my work or let's yeah. start another project because that's going to scratch the itch. And it's almost just this like... It's insatiable. Such an overwhelming feeling because nothing you do scratches the itch. Like, no. It's just... And then I, I think there's almost this level of frustration because nothing you're doing is scratching the itch. And then you're frustrated because nothing's working. Yeah. And so talk more about what you said about like God inviting you into this, this journey with him. How did you, I guess, kind of, how did you discover that? Or what did that look like? Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying is really true and it's true for authors, but I think it's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you can even look at seasons of your life and be like, okay, right. If I just graduate from college or if I just mm-hmm. get married and find the one, or mm-hmm. if I just have this kind of a family, right. And if they look mm-hmm. have three, three kids and a dog and a house in the backyard, you know, you create this kind of we're always in this process of creating this kind of world so that we can stay safe inside of it. Mm-hmm. And we have all these boundaries in it and we want to keep all the scary things on the outside of that world. And so anytime that world is threatened, right, that we get kind of panicky and scared. And so, I mean, I think it happens in our careers and our vocation, but I think it's just a regular part of life, even if you're not a natural born achiever. And so I think there's that entering of that vulnerable question of God, what does, what does that mean? What am I grasping for? What am I really chasing? Um, And um, I think you kind of nailed it, Caitlin, and what you said of like, it, it actually is an impossible itch to scratch. Yeah. And okay. So you said something about like, we create this, like, little world in our minds. And I thought, I don't know if, tell me if you agree with this. It it feels like that world is always in the future too. Like we're never almost satisfied with the world that we create in our mind is always when I do this. Like it it feels like it, at least for me, it it feels like it's always in the future. Yes. But, but we have to protect the future with what we do now. Right. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm afraid that we won't have enough money to go on vacation or buy the house or get our kids the kind of education they need. Right. So I have to do something now so that bad thing won't happen in the future. Yes. Right. And yeah. And so we have really a false sense of control of what we actually can do and not do. But the anxiety and the pressure and the stress really drive us to the ground. And really, I think there was this like incredible moment for me, like in writing. And I had actually written the whole book and I had turned it in and I was like, you know what? I still don't think I know what I, I still don't think I have this figured out. Right. Uh, and I went on this, uh, this search, you know, and I asked so many people, I asked so many friends, so many colleagues, like, tell me a time in your life when you were the most awake. And I was so shocked. And I, I mean, even you think about that right now. I'm just so curious yeah. still. I love asking people this question because it was so surprising people's answers. And I think this was the turning point for me. <clears throat> it was, I expected everyone to say, Caitlin, like the day I gave birth, 
right? The arrival, mm-hmm. right? We talk about the future and the day I the day I got the keys to my house, the day, my wedding day, you know, as a woman, all these things you're always anticipating, you know? And, and everyone was like, yeah, those, those were good days. Those were good things. But what really stood out to people is when they were most awake in their lives were these moments when they were connected to community. So when someone saw them and loved them in their brokenness, when someone showed up with a meal when they had nothing, when so, when they confessed their deepest, ugliest sin and someone said, me too. So connection to community, there was a connection, awakeness to like when they were in creation. When I went on this hike and in the middle of nowhere, I saw a shooting star and it was like God saw mm. me and I'd never been more awake than that uh, in worship. Or when they were connected to their calling. And so it was so eye-opening to me that, right, we have all these goals, these places we want to get to. And we realize when we get there, it's actually never enough. It's never as good as what we imagined in our imagination. And it's actually these moments of awakeness are actually connection. That is what we're really looking for. And that's what we were created for, this deep, deep connection with God and others and ourselves. and. And that moment for me was like, well, then why in the world am I in putting so much energy and thought and anxiety to kind of protect this future world and mm-hmm. fantasy when actually that never is what results in awakeness and fullness? It's connection. And it was just this moment of like, well, I can do that. Yeah, that makes me think. So in the book, you're talking about when you're kind of realizing this in the story beneath the story. So will you explain what you mean by that? Totally. Yeah. Well, we, I think that's just, there's these themes that we have in life. You see it in literature. When you read novels, you see it in movies. When you watch movies, if you've ever been to counseling, they will help you see that. But it's this idea of, you know, if I asked you today, like, what's going on? What are you struggling with? You know, or where's your anxiety? Or what's on your mind? What's what do you think about right before you fall asleep or right when you wake up? You would probably share uh, a struggle that you might be having uh, in society with a social issue. You might be say something about your marriage. You might say something about parenting or a friendship or your neighbor or how overwhelmed you are because you can't be in three places at once. You know, but then mm-hmm. but then when you ask the next question, like tell me more about that or help me understand, or can you explain that? It's actually something way... It's actually... The issue is not with your your husband. The mm-hmm. issue is something that's going on beneath the story. And so it's like, it's God is in this movement of, yes, connecting to the surface issue, but like, what's really going on in your heart? What's really going on in your soul? And what's really going on in there is like, you are like barely making it. You think you, whatever that deep belief is, you think you have to do all these things to keep the peace. Mm. Or do you think you have to work so hard just to feel seen? And so it's peeling back the layers and that's following the itch of like, what's really going on in there? Mm -hmm. And God is on the mission to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then here, so I was like, I just wanted to like yell as I was reading this because I was like, yes, oh my goodness. Like when you were talking about like not wanting people to see the real you and being so afraid of rejection. 
And I mean, I, as I was reading, I was, I just, I underlined like, <laughs> like two full pages because I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. Like even saying like, if someone checks their phone when I'm telling them something yeah. personal, like that wall gets thicker. And I'm just like, wow. Like I thought I was alone in that, you know, like mm. I, I feel like so many of us are going to relate to that though. So do you want to touch on that? Like that transition of like letting people totally. actually see us. And that's, oh, I feel like that's big. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we have where we look and where our eyes go tell us of what we value most. And so I feel like our eyes, of course, right? There are these windows always looking out in search of Mm -hmm. who will love me, who likes me, who cares about me, who doesn't care about me. And we have like, we are so quick to determine um, our worth and our value by what other people think or how they see us. And so, I mean, I guess the best illustration I kind of talk about that in the book is I've lived inside of like, imagine like a wall and a thick wall. And if people want to love me, they have to climb the wall. They have to break the wall down. They have to prove it to me. They have to do 18 right steps in order for me to even peek out in the wall or take one brick down. And I think there, that, there, it, that uh, creates a disconnect, right? How can we connect with people when there's a massive wall between us? And we kind of are climbing up and making people peek over the other side to prove that they love us. And the journey of um, looking, using our eyes to see people not as an attack or defense, right? We're always like in attack or defense mode, but like breaking down that wall and realizing, hey, you know what? I think people in your life actually really like you mm. and believing that and trusting that. And not only people, but God. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're talking here about rejecting people before they have the chance to hurt you. And I was like, Oh shoot. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> oh, wow. You're like, yeah. And then like looking back over like situations and things and I'm like, oh, I think I do that. I think I just got called out like in a, in a, in a good way. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sure other people relate to that. So I don't want you to give away the whole book, obviously, but I feel like you had such a beautiful example of the story with Sam. As I was reading that story, at, like after the concert, I, I I yelled. I was like, oh my gosh, no way. Are you, do you want to tell like, yeah. paraphrase that story? Like I said, don't give away the whole book, but I felt like that was the most beautiful example. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you got to read your audio book, your book, Mm-hmm. You get to narrate your book. I did. Yeah. So I remember when I was narrating the book, I was just like crying. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I obviously done that. And I still really have to catch myself doing that with people and checking them or um, making them jump through hoops to prove that they like me and love me. Right. Um, but I really certainly did this or most of my life up through, um, meeting my husband. And so there was this moment when, I mean, he's such a great guy, but you know, I kind of kept him outside the wall because I had been hurt. I had been rejected. And it was like, uh, I'm not ready for you to come all the way in. And he, in a nice firm way was like, if you don't tell me who you really are and what's really happened to you and what's going on, like this relationship is not going to work. Like, and this was while you were dating, while we were dating. And so kind of, you know, an ultimatum, like if you're not going to let me in, like there's, it's not going to work. 
And it was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, okay. And so we happened to go on a trip, went to go listen to U2, amazing band. And on the way back, I had this real moment. It was like, you know, one of those crossroads in life where it's like, I can tell him the whole truth mm-hmm. and get rejected or I can reject him and walk away. You know, it was that choice. And I remember like, what do I, I mean, I have to try. And so I shared some really significant, painful moments, things that had been done to me, things I had done to other people. And um, I remember just telling him, my hands were sweating. I was sweating. I was like a total mess, weeping. And I shared all the things. I just shared it all. Like, don't interrupt me. I'm going to keep going. Um, and he, on the drive back um, from Arizona to California, was in the middle of like a desert area. And when I was done, he pulled over. He pulled the car over. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's this is it. He's going to leave me for death on the side of the road <laughs> for the coyotes. And he pulled the car over, got around to the other side. I got out and he got on his knee and proposed right there. It was like, that's who he loved me in my absolute ugly, most broken places. And it was like, I want her. That's who I love. And it was, it was that moment where, which has taught me from there on out, like, like I can never be loved unless I let people in. It's Mm -hmm. just absolutely impossible. Hey friends, just taking a short break from our conversation to tell you about verb energy bars. I have been loving verb energy bars for literally years. And I know so many of you love them too. I have talked about them on Instagram several times, mostly because everyone wants better energy for the things that they need to do and the things that they want to do, whether that's early mornings with the kids or weekend projects. But too often we are caught tired and hungry and end up reaching for options that don't leave us satisfied. Verb bars have as much caffeine as a shot of espresso, but unlike coffee, you can keep them in your purse or your glove box or wherever you like for when that slump hits. They've also got a huge range of flavors like chocolate chip banana bread, s'mores, and key lime pie. My personal favorite is cookie butter. (laughs) Verb bars caffeine comes from green tea, so you get the energy without the crash. They are gluten-free and they're just 90 calories each. So right now, you can get your summer starter kit and save more than $25. Verb summer starter kit comes with one variety pack, one pack of key lime pie, one pack of s'mores, and that's 39 bars for just $39.85. So just over a dollar per bar, which is much cheaper than grabbing a latte. Verb bars have over 3,500 five-star reviews. And like I said, I have personally been loving these bars For years, I have stashes hidden all over the place. So you can just head to the link in the show notes below and snag your starter kit today. And now back to our conversation. Which I think like so much of that, I mean, it all goes back to fear, like our fear of truly being seen, our fear of rejection, our fear of being misunderstood, I think. But I love what you said in here that fear doesn't undo fear. No. Does I was it? like, oh, Has that is good. Like, no, I'm like, I'm like, you, you like to think it does because, oh, yeah. you know, then, then you can justify your fear, but then you're like, oh shoot, it doesn't actually work. No. Right. When you think about like, I can be like a kind of worst case scenario kind of person. And anytime oh, yeah. I'm like feeding the fear, 
it only gets bigger. The monster only gets worse. It goes from like a noise at the front door to like a burglar and burglar in the front of the house and the back of the house and one coming in through the ceiling. You know, it's like, yes. no, it doesn't ever resolve fear. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I read that and I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah, like, well, she's got a point, darn yeah. it. <laughs> well, now I have to face it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay, how do we're talking about in here? You say, wouldn't our lives look drastically different if we believed we were loved? So, how do we start to make that transition for those of us that that are scared of the rejection and of being seen? Well, I think there's something to entering the quiet chamber of your soul with that question. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, silence can be a really scary place, right? Because usually even those anxious thoughts, those fearful thoughts, they actually detract, distract us from kind of the deeper thing, right? The story beneath the story of, mm-hmm. oh, like you really like, there's a sadness in me that I've never experienced someone really loving me or there's a sadness because anytime I've experienced love, it's felt like a trap. It's been a trap or whatever that reality is, is man, like you have to have the courage to enter the reality, the real story, or else you're just kind of like a duck, right? You you can look calm on top, but your legs are frantically moving under the water. And I think a lot of women are doing that. And there's a part of me that's like, there's no way you'll ever know unless you have the courage to ask some really hard questions. Yeah. So when we are talking about living awake, what does that look like for you? Like practically like day to day? Yeah. Well, I would say the anxiety of not living life to the fullest has really evaporated. Because there is a freedom of like, oh, awakeness isn't something I get to achieve or uh, comprehend. I get to, right? That right now, like the awakeness of God with me. And there is like an incredible amount of freedom of God with me. And God meeting us um, through like our everyday moments and through our, even our senses. So it's paying attention. What are your eyes looking at today? What do you see? What do you feel? What do you taste? What do you smell? What are you touching? You know, and like those things, like our eyes, taste, smell, touch, all those senses keep us connected. Right. And so this journey of like deeper and deeper connectedness, that's a practice and that leads to deeper and deeper awakeness. Okay. It is crazy that you said that because okay. I just got done interviewing Nicole Zazowski yes. about her new book, uh, What yes. If It's Wonderful? Yes. She literally, I mean, not even an hour ago, just said the same thing about um, like celebrating and like how we retrain our brains to, to remember like the little beautiful moments in the day. And she said the exact same thing about mm-hmm. your five senses. Like, what am I seeing? What? And I'm like, all right, what are you it, trying to say, God? I, think like, God is like, you. I know. True. I'm like, okay. It's true because yeah. there's a, it grounds you. It keeps you mm-hmm. present. It keeps you right here. And I think the other prayer that really helps me is God, help me be present to the life you've given me. 
Yeah. This is the life God has given me, given me right now for this season. If I like it or not, this is where he has me. And that mm-hmm. I want to be present to it. I want to show up to it. Cause if I don't, ultimately I'm missing, I'm missing the connection that comes like with a relationship with God. Yeah. I don't want to miss it. So, right. Yeah. And I think so many of us, I mean, like we kind of said this earlier, but we, we just want to get to the next thing. Yeah. And, and so then we, we do miss what's right in front of us. Yeah. So I love what you said in here about God will starve us off the strategies we use to meet our soul's needs apart from Him. Yeah. So explain that. Sure. Um, well, here's an example. Um, I think I can use friendship mm-hmm. as a way to fill my loneliness. Mm-hmm. And if I just have that one best friend, if we our friendship looks a certain way, feels a certain way, if we enjoy the same things, if it's easy breezy and we just, you know, have all that deep connection, then, right, the if, and then the then, like my soul won't be lonely anymore. And the Lord in his goodness and love for us starves me of using a friendship in a way that is a friendship is not intended to be because a friendship is good and great and wonderful, but it's never meant to fill the deepest places in our soul. And so God will strain that relationship. God will like even bring out and purge things in that relationship as a mirror to me to say, Hey, you're trying to use that person to fix that thing inside of you that no human could ever fix. And so does that make sense? So he starts. Yeah, listen, the, yeah. Way, the way God is speaking to me right now, just because I'm sitting here thinking like, <laughs> yes. And I think so many people can relate to this. And then when you have that like best friend or really good friendship, and then like you go a few days without talking and then you're like, well, our friendship's over. Like yeah. she hates me now. What did I do wrong? And then it's just so oh, yes. easy to spiral. Yeah. And God's like, girl, quit it. <laughs> yeah. But then, right. Think about, I mean, think a really perfect analogy for this is parenthood, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not at the place yet where my oldest is going to college. I'm not there. It'll come. But I know like when he goes to college or moves out, like what I want is for him to be free. Mm-hmm. I want him to go explore, adventure, try new things, but I don't want to hook him. I don't want to control him. Like I don't want to use him to fill something that's broken inside of me. But so, yeah. right, but, when, but then when he does come home and come visit, like he's coming home in freedom and I'm not using him to like fix me. And in the same way, like yeah. our friendships, like I'm not, I don't need that. Like if she calls me, if she emails me, if, she, if we hang out, if she texts right back, that's great. But I don't need her to do that for me to feel fixed or okay inside. And the Lord like peel, like weans us off of those needs of those um, dependencies because he knows we will corrupt those kind of relationships and twist them to try and fit and fit that like that hole that we have inside of us. Yes. Oh, um, wow. Right. I mean, <laughs> my mind is like hitting right now. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. But we do it. I mean. And so it's, it's in love though. Like the strain you feel in a friendship or marriage or it, it, that strain is a gift. That strain is a mirror. So then what do we do? We, we go to God when, when we realize like, oh, God is, is weaning me from this because mm. my focus is not 
where it's supposed to be, or I've put my identity or something in this relationship. Yeah. You're getting at the heart of this though, Caitlin, because, um, I think what the temptation is to really, um, go to a should or a guilt or, Mm -hmm. well, then I have to like get God back at the center of my life. And I think the greatest spiritual discipline any of us will ever do or could do is a spiritual discipline of honesty. And that's truth, right? It's in the same way Mm -hmm. with your spouse. It's like, you're honest. And so like that, that strain, when we experience that strain or the weaning, it's like, God, I want, the truth is I want a friendship more than I want anything else. God, I Mm -hmm. want at whatever that is more than anything else. And that is almost right. That's entering the story beneath the story. That's being honest with God instead of like, okay, right? Because the temptation is like, okay, well, now I got to reorder my life. I got to get that friend out. I got to do that. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Right? It's like, imagine... We overcomplicate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, so much. And the Lord is not... Like, God just wants to be with you, right? In the same way, if you went to coffee, right, with your friend or your spouse, whoever, and they sat down with you and were like, how are you doing? And you're like, well... Um, I'm going to do this for you and this for you and this for you. And the best thing I'm, I'm going to do that. And like, no, 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 no. No, like, like, how are you? Like, don't, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you think though, like, I think sometimes we know God sees us, but I, like, I don't know. Cause as Christians, it's like, we know we can't hide our hearts from God. We know that he sees us for who we are, but I almost feel like, I mean, I know I do, like we still try to like, put up a wall between us and God so that he doesn't really see us. Oh yeah. Like, does that make sense? If you're doing that with people in your life, especially the people closest to you, you are most likely doing that in your relationship with God. So how do we fix that? Uh, <laughs> I love you. I really like you. Because you just like, it's not a formula. It's not something you fix, yeah. right? And I wish it was like my type A, like, just give me the checklist. You know, people are like, Christianity is not a checklist. And I am like, (laughs) but it'd be easier if it was like, I want a checklist. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Right. And I think that's like what everyone, that's the whole Old Testament. Yeah. Right. I'm going to like the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, that's all. And when God was like, yeah, that's not going to be enough. That doesn't actually work. And so that's why we have Jesus. And so the journey is a death and resurrection. The the formula is death and resurrection, Caitlin. You want that formula? There it is. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not one that everybody likes. Because it's it's, not. It's like dying. There's there's things in your life that you have to die to. And trust. Like you said, and be honest. Yeah. We can't get there unless we're fully honest. And I think sometimes it's... Sometimes we we know it, but we don't want to admit it. Like it's yeah. it's too hard to admit like those parts of our soul, even to God, even though we know he already knows. We're like, I, I know you know, but I, I'm not ready to talk about it. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? If anyone has kids, they could tell you what they did, right? It's mm-hmm. cool that day. And that's nice. You always appreciate that. But it's like, I want to know, like, how are you? Like, what is it like when you got that paper back? And then you work so hard on it and you didn't get the grade you wanted. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's it like when you sat by yourself at lunch, mm-hmm. right? Because the whole, and that's really the heart of Awake, this book is like God with us. Like God is with you 
in that place when you are brutally honest, like in that loneliness, in that fear, in that anxiety. But until you experience it, you actually don't know. So when someone says to me, like, I know God loves me, but I don't really experience that. I'm like, well, then you don't really know. Oh. You don't really know. Yeah. You think think it. Right. You think it. But right when you, that's how we, like in relationship with people. You don't actually know until you've experienced it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. We're going deep. Oh my gosh. I'm like just having all these revelations. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Kansas to San Diego. Here we go. I know. Okay. So what do you want someone to walk away with after this book? Like, what is your biggest hope that they can... Oh my goodness. They can have. Oh my goodness. I think I think that it's possible to have the life you want and not lose your soul trying to get it. I think mm. that's really like has been radically life-changing for me that I can have the life I want. And what I, I don't really mean like, and the car and the family and the vacations and like all that kind of life, because I don't think that's ultimately what people really want. Mm-hmm. It's a good, beautiful distraction from what yeah. we really want. What we really want is peace. What we really want is joy. What we really want is true relationships where people don't just know us, but they understand us. And I want people to know that that is really possible in their relationship with God and with other people and themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that about not only is it possible with God, but with other people. Um your story in the book about your friend that just showed up and just wanted a hug yeah. and then just walked home. I was like, man, not only do I like hope my friends are comfortable that they would do that for me, but like also to be that type of friend where you feel so seen and loved by your friends that you're comfortable just showing up and saying, I need a hug and then yeah. going home. Like, going right that's, home. like that's beautiful. Beautiful. Right. It's so vulnerable. To ask someone yeah. to love you. Yeah. Very vulnerable. Because, you know, so then, I mean, well, you could get into when people don't, when you're vulnerable and it does come with disappointment. Totally. Do you think we reflect that back on our relationship with God? Well, yes. I mean, I think um, the greatest picture of that is with any apparent or authority figure in your life, you know? Yeah. Those earliest forms and places of attachment really teach us what's safe and not safe. And even if you had something that was like Mary Poppins and beautiful, I think there's a re a a death and a resurrection of what true safety looks like. So, yeah. yeah. But if that's, again, that's like the journey that, that that's the itch, right? God has always come closer, come deeper, come here. Let's Mm -hmm. go. Yeah. And so, and we, we try and itch it with doing stuff, but the itch is, yes, No, like, tell me more. Tell me more about that. That's the itch. Oh, this has been so good. (laughs) Okay. Well, lastly, tell everyone where they can go find you on socials, where they can get your book, all the things. Yeah. Well, it's been great chatting. I would love to connect with you. I'm on Instagram almost every day. Uh, Lovealways.angeli. A-N-J-U-L-I. And then, um, of course, connect with me. Uh, weekly emails. I send out an email of one more way, one way to stay awake to the love of God that week. And then on my website, www.angeliepascal.com. I'm, I'm sure you'll put this in your notes, but yeah, that's it. And I'd love to connect. 
Yes. When does the book come out or is it already out? It's out. It's been out for about six weeks. Can you believe that? Oh, okay. It goes so fast, doesn't it? I know. I know. But I'm about, I like her, when you mentioned that slide, what did you call it? Yeah. What did you call it? It's like the downhill slide. It's like, yeah, like release day is just like the so intense pinnacle. But then afterwards, like you get a few weeks out and you're like, oh, what now? (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. You know when you say that? I don't, do you have kids? I have three. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally like having children, isn't it? Yeah. Like giving birth. And then everyone brings you meals and it's so fun. Mm -hmm. You get to like sleep. The baby sleeps on you all day. And, but then like when your husband goes back to work, it's like, oh wait, life goes on. (laughs) Yes. No, I do this. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It is a lot like parenthood. And I'll tell you this, your second book is a lot like having your second baby. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is your second yeah, book. Yeah. my second one. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. But tuck know. that away for when your right. book comes. Okay. Well, that is good to know. Thank you. Oh, Angelie, thank you much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. This was such a fun conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Friends, I hope that you loved this episode of the podcast. If you have been enjoying these episodes, it would be so, so helpful to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. This is extremely helpful for new people being able to find the podcast, which allows us to keep producing these episodes that hopefully encourage you and bless you. And I hope that you are truly boldly pursuing where God has called you this week. Until next week, friends. See ya.